my message is clear. Disaster is at the doorstep and is coming in. Hey, great message. Expected message. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. A little. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on KAKU. Hope you guys are doing okay today. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN. Palinville, New York's WLPP. You guys are voting today. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, and Seattle's KODX. In Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountain, California, on KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe smoothly across the internet, no doubt, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn. Did I mention you guys are voting today? Or trying to? GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly... Uh, your friendly investigative blog. I was going to say friendly, if irritated, investigative <laughs> blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Yeah. If irritated, swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining me and the delightful Desiree Doyen, who is at my side as usual. Hello, yes. Des. Hello. All right. Well, it is another ridiculous news day, and yes, I'm irritated uh, over a whole bunch of things. Um but it's uh, we may or may not get to some of the things I am most irritated about, uh, such as Donald Trump becoming a Hurricane Maria denier. Who knew there was such a thing? Uh, there is as of now. He denies that nearly 3,000 people. And by the way, that is likely uh, a, a lowball number. There is likely many more who were killed from that massive storm that knocked out Puerto Rico for uh, about a year, at least uh, a year ago. That one uh, makes me really angry, and I'd like to talk about it, but we've got a lot of other stuff we'll need to hit first that will otherwise be lost in the weeds and in the wind and in the water of the massive Hurricane Florence, now just beginning to make first landfall off the coast of Carolina as uh, As we go to air here, um, we also have primary election results out of Rhode Island. They voted on Wednesday. Get to those in a second. And Thursday's final primary election of the year in New York. The final primary before this November's crucial midterms. And there are already problems, lots of them. 
being reported by voters in New York. I'll get to that in a minute as well. Uh, and we'll uh, have more on Florence that are uh, in our Green News report a little bit later and the dangers posed by the system, by the storm, um, as well as several other storms right now uh, that are across the globe, not getting as much coverage. Uh, and also uh, what the uh, Trump administration did this week in our Green News report, uh, even as these uh, this massive climate-fueled storm is barreling into the southeastern seaboard. Um, but very quickly, Desi Doyen, uh, you, I've been uh, buried trying to make sense of results and what's going on in New York uh, in their primary election. So where are things with Florence at this hour uh, as we go to air? Um, well, as we go to air, uh, the National Hurricane Service now says that a Hurricane Florence is a Category 2, which means its, its wind speeds have begun to slow down, but they're still quite dangerous. And so that should not be taken as an excuse to not pay attention. I'm, I'm very worried about that. When I saw that uh, the storm itself was weakening as far as the wind strength went, right. I thought, oh, boy, people are going to think this is falling apart. There's no danger here. Of course, huge danger from the winds, even at a, uh, at a category, a category two? two. Yeah, those are still 100-mile-per-hour winds. They can still tear your roof off, and if they last long enough with this very slow-moving storm, they can eventually be strong enough to tear your building apart. Uh, yeah, th so that was, of course, always a danger, but I'm most concerned, I have been most concerned from the from the jump on this storm with the amount of rain that could come through as this uh, storm has slowed down off the coast and right. catastrophic amounts of rain is okay. what I fear. So here's the here's the latest yeah. on it. It has begun to slow its movement across the landscape. Um, the National Hurricane Center says it's likely to maintain its intensity and its wind speed until the eye of the hurricane itself makes landfall, which is now forecast for sometime early Friday. Uh, wind and outer rain bands are already starting to hit North Carolina. Uh, the storm itself has grown physically in size, which means its wind field and its flooding field is much larger. It covers, you know, several states now. The, it's uh, pushing a deadly storm surge that is forecast to reach as much as 13 feet in some areas. Just for perspective, that's above the roof line of a single-story house. That's the storm surge? Thir that's just the storm surge at the coast. 13 feet. 13 feet. And because North Carolina specifically is so flat, in its coastal areas. That means that storm surge can go miles and miles inland. Um, storm surge is already starting to cause some rivers to back up. And so that mm. plus the rain that's draining from inland areas into the ocean means that the impacts of the flooding are only going to get worse. It's called a compound flooding disaster because that means water is coming at you from both directions and has no place to go. Mm. Um, 40 inches of rain still projected for some spots on the county inches yeah, of rain? 40 inches. That's a little over three and a half feet or so. Um, that's for the Carolina oh coast. Places as far inland as Charlotte are uh, that's 150 miles from the coast or so. They could receive as much as 10 inches of rain. And you know, we've been talking about the potential for toxic waste from hog farms and from coal ash waste mm -hmm. and these uh, uh, to get into the drinking water supply. One thing we haven't covered is has been Superfund sites mm. um, because Florence These is, are toxic 
cleanup sites where the the toxic waste is already sort of laying out there in the open. Exactly, you know, or it's uh, it's soaked into the soil. So mm-hmm. it could uh, that's that's something that the EPA now says they are monitoring more than forty Superfund sites. Mm. Um, we saw similar problems with that in Hurricane Harvey, where we had a bunch of toxic oh, yes. sites in uh, Houston that were flooded, and the toxins just went everywhere, went leaked everywhere, into, and yeah. got washed out to sea and contaminated okay. the drinking water supply. And yep. just you know, another thing that uh, farmers now this is harvest time, by the way. Mm. So farmers who have crops in South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, etc., they are all trying to race to harvest what they can of their crops. So that's where we are. That is where we are. More on that coming up in our Green News report a little bit later. Uh, Oi, what a mess. Um, All right. Well, speaking of uh, messes, let's get to uh, some election stuff here as we finally wrap up the, uh, well, as we have now wrapped up the federal election primaries all of them before the november uh november midterm elections we've got a new york race happening on thursday for state and local contests but as far as uh, federal races go i think we are we are done at least the (laughs) voting is done the counting continues uh but a week or so ago it was discovered that there was uh what the uh, Providence Journal up in uh, Rhode Island described as a, quote, computer glitch. They always call it a glitch, don't they? That affected the voter registrations of about 5,000 voters in Rhode Island. And that's a lot of voters in a state the size of Rhode Island, where you had uh, some races on Wednesday uh, where there were just several hundred uh, votes cast. Uh, So... The, uh, as the journal writes, as a result of an IT snafu, there's that word, <laughs> in the Rhode Island Division of Motor Vehicles Automatic Voter Registration System, the new and newly updated records of at least 5,000 potential primary voters got stuck in limbo. Their paper reported last week, Secretary of State Nellie Gorbia asked the State Board of Elections to take emergency steps at its meeting last week to rectify the situation, and in fact they did with all of those registrations in limbo reportedly corrected and properly added to the rolls before Wednesday's final federal primary election of the year. If all of this worked as it was supposed to work, a spokesman for the Secretary of State's office said the information from those registrations would have been automatically conveyed from the ri.gov website, which is run for some reason by a private company named Nick Inc. or NIC Inc. If it had gone as expected, the information would have gone from that site over to the state's central voter registration system when people made changes to their uh, to their DMV records. As to why that did not happen, the spokesman from the Secretary of State's office said it appeared that a, quote, few of the fields were missing from the computer program. Uh, the spokesperson said it is now clear that this, the Secretary of State spokesperson said it is now clear that this matter requires the board's immediate attention, including the members... Um, She wrote this to a host of state officials, including the members of the elections board, after the, quote, snafu came to light. 
This article may have all of those uh, hiccup. Uh, uh, they should. They don't say hiccup. Other than that, glitches, snags, snafus. Anyway, DMV spokesman uh, Paul Grimaldi said. At the time this happened or was discovered about a week ago that there is no problem with the DMV system. There's an issue with RI.gov, a third-party software platform developed and operated by an outside vendor. That's NIC or NIC, which processes all transactions for the state, including DMV transactions. There is no indication of any problems with transactions completed at the DMV branches or at AAA offices. NIC recorded the data submitted online, but certain fields were not proper were not appropriately included in the transfer by NIC to the Secretary of State's office. Secretary of State asked the DMV to assist, and we have provided them with all archived records of those transactions, the DMV spokesperson said. Uh, after the long-running computer glitch came to light last Friday, or I guess a, a week or so Friday, Stephen Erickson, the vice chair of the State Board of Elections, issued a statement stressing the severity of what happened. He said, this is a major disaster. Thank you, uh, Stephen Erickson. Yes, it was a major disaster. It was not a glitch, a snafu, a snag. It was a major disaster that was thankfully averted, he said, because an alert person in the secretary of state's office noticed a discrepancy, followed up on it, and the Secretary of State and Board of Elections worked to fix the problem. But he added, elections are too important to be handled in such a sloppy manner. Oh, wait, I, I thought uh, government was wasteful, couldn't be trusted, and that uh, corporations, private businesses, third parties were, were better able to handle this business of government. Maybe not. Uh, Erickson said, we will never know if people were denied mail ballots or voted from the wrong address or had the wrong party affiliation on their record at the time of a mail ballot because of this problem. He said this kind of incompetence is not acceptable. And that's just one of the reasons that uh, we have been warning folks on this show probably driving you nuts uh, or boring you like crazy, reminding you to check your registrations over and over again between now and Election Day, which is November 6th this year. Make sure that your name and address is correct. And uh, though it doesn't matter as much this November in the general election, make sure that your party affiliation is what you think it should be. Don't wait until any of this is too late, as was discovered on Thursday in New York by some voters. But we'll get to that uh, in a second. And remember to check all of your information, including your address, because those can also get messed up. The State Board of Elections uh, in Rhode Island gave the official go-ahead last Wednesday for this last-minute addition to go to city and town voter rolls of uh, more than 5,000 potential primary day voters who got caught in that electronic voter registration snafu. Uh, as the journal describes it, um, from the state's uh, D Division of Motor Vehicles uh, website or from the RI.gov website or from the Secretary of State's office or wherever the failure first originated. So those voters should theoretically have been in the system on Wednesday in Rhode Island. Technically, the paper notes, the, the snafu 
affected a total of 16,000 people who did online business with the DMV website, including renewing their vehicle registrations and uh, where any uh, changes to their addresses, etc., might have been or should have been automatically transferred to their voter registration with the state's automatic voter registration program. Beyond beyond that, however, I'm happy to say I have yet to see any notable problems for voters in Rhode Island on Wednesday or uh, questions about the results cast on hand-marked paper ballots in the state and uh, then scanned by, tallied by computer optical scan systems. As to those actual reported results, pro-business, some might say conservative Democratic Governor Gina Raimondo of Rhode Island, who uh, made a case for her second term by highlighting the state's improving economic fortunes, survived a grassroots challenge from the progressive left in order to win her party's nomination for re-election over progressive Matt Brown, a former uh, Rhode Island Secretary of State who had hammered Raimondo for her corporate ties. She, however, was able to easily defeat Matt Brown and one other candidate to win the nomination for her second term. She'll now face Republican Alan Fung, the mayor of Cranston, Rhode Island, which is the state's second largest city. Fung uh, came in a, a pretty close a second behind Romando in a three-way race back in 2014. So this will be a rematch between the two in what is considered to be a very democratic state in general. Wednesday's primary winners will, however, have to contend with another three-way contest this November with former Republican lawmaker Joe Trillo, who chaired Donald Trump's 2016 campaign in Rhode Island. He will be running as an independent, which is not likely to be good news, uh, will not likely help the Republican uh, win his challenge against the incumbent Democratic governor this year in Rhode Island. They also selected nominees for the U.S. Senate, the U.S. House, lieutenant governor, and some other offices in this rare Wednesday vote. Democratic uh, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Desi Doyen, you'll be happy to know, he won his um, his primary easily on, on Wednesday, and Congressman David Cicilline, also a Democrat in the state's first congressional district. He, they, they both easily won their primaries on the Democratic side. Democratic uh, second district uh, representative Jim Longevin uh, ran unopposed. But uh, Senator Whitehouse, the reason I say, Desi, you're happy about this, <laughs> is he's been a leading voice in the Senate. Oh, yes. And in the uh, House prior to that, uh, for pushing for um, action on climate change. Yes, he has an amazing series of speeches. He's given a speech on climate change and the benefits of climate action. Every week in the Senate, I think he's working on his 200th speech, perhaps. I, I could be overestimating that. It's some, unamaz- it's an, some yeah. amazing amount that he's done no, these he's speeches been... on the floor into the record of the Senate. Yeah, whether anyone hears them or not, uh, he's trying to, uh, you know, keep the issue of climate change up there and doing a good job of it, at least as uh, good as, I guess, can be expected at this point. He's also, uh, of course, been a uh, very critical of Donald Trump on just about everything. He'll face off against Republican Patrick Donovan this fall. But again, it's uh, considered to be a very blue state, and uh, Senator Whitehouse is quite popular there. Incumbent Congressman Cicilline 
For his part, we'll face Republican Patrick Donovan, who easily won the uh, GOP primary in the 1st Congressional District, and incumbent Congressman Longovan will run against GOPer Salvatore uh, Sioza, I think is how you say his name, in the 2nd District. He ran unopposed for that nomination. Both seats, however, are considered safe Democratic seats, at least by the Cook political uh, political report this fall. The most closely watched down-ticket race was for Lieutenant Governor, incumbent Democratic uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee narrowly beat 28-year-old progressive state lawmaker Aaron Regenberg, or Regenberg. Progressives, however, fared a bit better in some of the state legislative seats on the ballot in Rhode Island on Wednesday. The Rhode Island General Assembly tilted a little bit further to the left again on Wednesday, as the Providence Journal describes it, with several progressive candidates defeating more centrist opponents who were backed by party leaders in Democratic primaries. Those winners include... Congresswoman, or no, I guess a state rep, Moira Walsh, who fended off a challenge from, this is amazing, from a guy named Michael Earnhardt, who is a, ran in the Democratic primary, but he is an unapologetic supporter of, yes, President Donald Trump. He's a supposed Democratic uh, supporter of Donald Trump. He, uh, however, joined the Democratic Party less than a year ago, it triggered national attention over the summer when the state Democratic Party actually endorsed him over Walsh. Walsh had been a critic of the House Speaker, uh, but then the party was forced to rescind that endorsement when um, this guy's GOP Republican background was revealed. Uh, there were several other progressive wins, uh, however, um, in the uh, state legislature. However, no huge upsets of powerful assembly leaders like we saw two years ago in Rhode Island when a House majority leader fell uh, in the 113-seat General Assembly in Rhode Island. Just three incumbents were knocked off in the 33 contested primaries on Wednesday. Around a third of all sitting lawmakers have no opponent in either the primary or general elections this year. The progressive bloc in Rhode Island, however, did lose one in the state house. Uh, in incumbent uh, Senator Janine Culkin, she was knocked out by Mark McKenney. Culkin had uh, rode the Bernie Sanders wave in 2016 to what was a considered a surprise victory at the time. McKenney, who unseated her on Wednesday, was a Hillary Clinton supporter. So a mixed bag for uh, for progressives in Rhode Island on Wednesday. And now we will see what happens in New York, which is voting on Thursday as the last primary of the year. Boy, they really don't want New Yorkers to vote. Uh, anyway, they're voting on state and local races only on Thursday. And of course, progressive actor and activist Cynthia Nixon is making her long shot bid to unseat two-term Governor Andrew Cuomo and progressive Fordham University law professor and activist Zephyr Teachout is hoping to secure the nomination for the very important role of New York State Attorney General, a role where she would be a very serious threat to Donald Trump, uh, whose businesses are all based in New York and who could uh, and she could serve as a check uh, against Trump 
if he began pardoning himself or his family or if he somehow was able to derail the Robert Mueller special counsel investigation. Uh, We'll have results, hopefully, out of New York on our next broadcast. But voters on Thursday, once again, in New York, particularly in New York City, are reporting a whole lot of problems at the polls kind of want to say here so what else is new the uh the problems for the moment are not with the state's hand-marked paper ballot optical scan systems but with voter registrations again people showing up and being told they're not on the rolls let's take a quick break and we will come back to talk about that hot mess in uh in new york in new york city and undoubtedly some other hot messes Today, as the broadcast rolls forward, I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. The broadcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yeah, but not in a good way. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Before we get to New York here, uh, this just breaking from CNN. Uh, Des, you haven't seen this yet. Uh, They're reporting multiple suspected gas explosions have set several structures on fire and forced evacuations in Lawrence, Andover, and North Andover, Massachusetts, Mm. according to state police. A middle school in North Andover and uh, residents of a senior center in Andover have been evacuated. According to the agency, state police confirmed responding to 17 addresses for fire, explosion or investigation. There was no immediate information available about the extent of the damage or about any injuries. They show a photograph, a photograph of a uh, of a house here that appears to be uh, on fire, that is on fire and smoking. Um, don't know what would cause 17 different addresses. locations to have that problem. Yeah, that's going to require a little more investigation to figure out what could possibly tie all of those together. Other than a Pipeline of some sort? Hard to say. Don't want to get out ahead of it, but um, that is disturbing. Uh, Again, uh, no immediate information about uh, the extent of the damage or about any injuries. Well, we'll follow up on it. We'll keep up on that. And um, we we also have, uh, as we're also following uh, Florence, (laughs) as we will be, I suspect, for quite some time, but we have also been uh, talking about some of the other storms. We'll get to some of them in the Green News report coming up in a bit, but one of them is... Hurricane, well, I guess now Tropical Storm Olivia, which yes. has been uh, targeting uh, Hawaii this week and drenching. has now a- a- arrived and, yes, yes is drenching. Yes. Tropical Storm Olivia, she it's drenching, like as, as I said, uh, Hawaii right now. So just want to let folks know that there are now crews that are working to remove water from the Nu'uanu Reservoir after rain from Tropical Storm Olivia has filled it to near capacity. Um, AP reports mm. that 10,000 people on 
on the island of Oahu face possible evacuation from their homes if the reservoir continues to rise and continues to threaten the dam that is holding all that water oh, back. Boy. So, you know, again, this just highlights what we've been saying for a long time now, which is our infrastructure was built for a 20th century climate. It was not built for a 21st century extreme weather charged climate. Was it just last year out here in California or was it now last year. more years than that? Oroville Dam, The yes. Oroville Dam up in... Uh, up in it, wine country. Well, actually, it's south of wine country, but yes, the Oroville Dam. Yeah, they're, they've repaired that, thank goodness, in the dry season. So Where that also filled up, started to collapse, was overspilling its uh, spillway and uh, threatening thousands of, of people from yeah, exactly. all of the rain. And this comes in Hawaii just after about two weeks ago after Hurricane Lane and when they got about 50 inches of rain More in than. some places yeah. on uh, some of those islands. So, you know, already saturated ground, already filled reservoir, getting hit with yet another weird tropical storm for Hawaii, which doesn't usually get this many. So, yeah, we have uh, we have some work to do in getting ready for this stuff. Understatement of today's program goes to Desi Doyen there. Um, all right. Um, well, speaking of uh, New York and uh, voting, as I say, uh, New York is New Yorkers are trying to vote on Thursday in the final primary of the year before the midterms. Uh, as I noted, uh, progressive activist Cynthia Nixon is trying to unseat uh, two term uh, fairly conservative Democratic uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo. She has uh, certainly corporate Governor Andrew Cuomo. She has succeeded already in her run, Cynthia Nixon, in pushing Cuomo to the left a bit. So that's some good news. Also on the ballot is, uh, as I said, uh, progressive attorney and activist Zephyr Teachout running for the crucial role of state attorney general in New York. She's uh, trying to win the uh, Democratic nomination. But, of course, because it's New York, once again, uh, problems in New York. As uh, New York Magazine's Intelligencer uh, blog writes today, New York likes to pride itself on being exceptional, and in the area of election administration, it is exceptionally behind, says Susan Lerner, the, ad, uh, the executive director of the voting rights group Common Cause in New York. Uh, I would add it's exceptionally bad in addition to being behind. Lerner was talking about New York's raft of retrograde voting policies, including the odd hours that polls are open, a lack of early voting, all of the difficulty of registering to vote in New York, and yes, holding its state and local primaries separate from its federal primaries, which were held back in June, and then holding them on a Thursday. All of these problems keep many from even trying to vote in the state. That might be one of the reasons that they have such low voter turnout in the Empire State. But even for those who manage to make it to the polls on Thursday to vote in primary races for state and local races, casting a ballot was... Uh, well, for many, a disaster. No, not a glitch, a hiccup, a snafu, or a snag, but a disaster. Rebecca Traster, who actually writes for New York Magazine, tweeted on Thursday, Guess who wasn't on the rolls this morning at the polling place? Oh, wow. At the polling place that I voted for four years. Jess McIntosh, who is, uh, runs the progressive media outlet Share Blue, 
tweeted, quote, had to assert my rights for the first time at a polling place today. Reminder, she says, if you're in the right place and not on the rolls, sign an affidavit and cast a provisional ballot. Sometimes they call it an affidavit ballot in uh, in New York. Lydia Polgreen, who's the editor in chief of HuffPost, tweets happened happened to me, too. Caroline Moss, editor at BuzzFeed News, says this happened to me, too, and I forced them to look at every book for every district. And surprise, they found me. Took a half hour. And I'm sure there were long lines because of all of this. There might have been. James Ryan uh, tweeted, quote, peeved that my wife and I were nowhere to be found on the voting roll this a.m. in Washington Heights, despite not changing our registrations and voting recently as last year. Someone really didn't want my vote for Cynthia Nixon and Zephyr Teachout, he says. Okay, so let me underscore... At this hour, before this gets out of hand, and it may be way too late at this point, there is currently, at least as we go to air, no uh, no evidence that there has been any inappropriate purge or targeting of voters, at least not yet, and certainly um, not that any particular voters have been uh, who, who might support progressive candidates like Cynthia Nixon or Zephyr Teachout. No evidence that they have specifically been targeted in uh, in Thursday's primary races in New York. And I want to underscore that point because there are still folks, still a lot of folks who who think who are certain that they were purged from New York's roles in the 2016 presidential primaries there because they supported Bernie Sanders. Now, I, I, I got to make and, and not just people who think that they were purged, but other people uh, from outside the state who believe, who are certain that Hillary Clinton purged Bernie Sanders voters back in 2016. Now, I don't want to reopen uh, that can of worms or litigate that here. I just want to let you know that I have looked at a lot of arguments to that end. Uh, and personally, I have seen zero evidence that is persuasive uh, to to prove that such voters uh, back in 2016 were purged because they may have been uh, Bernie Sanders supporters versus Hillary supporters. I've seen even less evidence that Hillary or her supporters had anything to do with trying to target such voters back in 2016 in what was definitely an illegal purge of tens of thousands of voters in New York by the uh, New York City Election Board, particularly headed up in Brooklyn by a Republican. So I appreciate that there are you know a whole bunch of Sanders supporters who will never accept that idea. They're certain that Hillary Clinton threw them off the rolls somehow, uh, and that's fine. Uh, but I'm telling you what I have seen, and I have looked at a lot of information since 2016, and I hope folks who listen to this show, who listen to the broadcast, or who have uh, read bradblog.com, I hope you know by now that I would have no problem at all calling out anyone for having done that, including Hillary Clinton, including her acolytes, or including anyone else who improperly purged voters for any reason whatsoever. 
So, again, didn't mean to open up that can of worms from 2016, but um, I just want but to, but it comes into play here because we're already seeing people claim that they were knocked out because they were supporters of Cynthia Nixon or Zephyr Teachout. And by the way, that may turn out to be true. We may find that out. Uh, I often warn that it takes a while. It takes some time to figure out exactly what did or didn't go on uh, on any particular election day and what the extent of any of the failures were that were faced by voters. And yes, these are failures. It should not be this difficult to vote in New York or anywhere. So we will learn more. But as of now, at this moment, as we go to air, it, it doesn't seem to be, well, there's no proof that this anyone in particular was targeted here. So what is going on here? Uh, well, as I say, as of this hour, it's a matter of trying to understand what may or may not have actually gone wrong. The uh, New York Magazine reports that others uh, complained about learning as they attempted to vote on Thursday that they were not registered in the party that they thought they were registered in. For example, one person wrote on Twitter, quote, So after years of being registered as a dirty dem, I get to the voting place today and am informed I am now registered as a member of the Reform Party and that I can't vote. Weird, he says. Another tweeted, Hey, hey, who has two thumbs, tried to vote, and got told they were now registered as Reform Party? Another said, Reminder to pay attention when you get your ballot today. I was in the books, quote, as Reform Party only, and then in parentheses, unaffiliated with party, and had to ask for an affidavit ballot to vote Democratic. Uh, One other tweet was similar. Uh, I wasn't able to vote today because my party had been mysteriously changed without my permission. I filled out an affidavit and hope my vote eventually counts. But this is just a reminder, he meant an affidavit ballot, a provisional ballot, and hope my uh, vote eventually counts, but this is just a reminder that our voting systems are messed up no matter where you go. All right, so again, based on the information we have so far, as the New Yorker, uh, I'm sorry, New York Magazine correctly notes here, the problem for the voters who were handed a reform ballot in New York may, and I emphasize may, have been, and in fact this syncs up with uh, my own reporting on similar problems during primary voting elsewhere, uh, in, in New York and elsewhere, um, like here in California, it may be that they were registered as independents. Uh, Note that one guy who says on Twitter that he was in the books as Reform Party only, unaffiliated with party. Unclear if he was talking about unaffiliated with the Reform Party or he is an unaffiliated uh, voter. But the Reform Party in New York allows all unaffiliated voters to participate in its primary, in the Reform Primary. So if you're registered to vote uh, but not in a specific party, you will be given a reform ballot. That is your only uh, option, essentially, to vote in a party primary on Thursday in New York. That, according to Staten Island Reform Party Chair Frank Marano, who was tweeting this over and over again today, he said, I think many people may mistakenly believe they're registered as Democratic. And that is true. A lot of people do. 
A lot of people think they have been registered and voting as Democrats for years because they usually vote Democratic, but only in uh, general elections. And then when there's some reason to turn out for a primary election, when you have, for example, uh, progressive folks like Cynthia Nixon and Zephyr Teachout pulling, uh, pulling folks in to vote in a primary that they may not usually vote in, um, some of them ha- may have never voted in a primary election at all, and they show up and suddenly they think that they have been purged or that their party affiliation has been changed for some nefarious reason. But as it turns out, they were never actually, even though they vote Democratic, they were never registered as a Democrat. I can't I can't tell you how many countless times I have seen that. Uh, over the years. Now, we've also seen people being inappropriately purged from the rolls, as we saw in New York in 2016. So we don't know. And it may have been here that people have been inappropriately purged, but we we can't yet know that, uh, at least from the info that I've been able to find. Uh, And like I say, I have found more often than not um, that it's a voter in a situation like this in a primary. It's a voter who's confused about how they uh, are actually registered. Desi Doyne, I think you ran into a similar problem like that yes, uh, here some in, years ago. Here in California, when I first registered, I was trying to register as an independent, and at the time, the selections on the registration form were unclear, and so I thought American Independent was an independent uh, designation, but no, it was an actual party, party, and I found out when I went to the primary to vote. That you were not then allowed right. to vote in uh, anything but the American Correct. Independent so primary. it's you right. know, it's simple voter confusion, so, yeah. but yeah, it's a problem. Now California has a specific designation called decline to state. So uh, now they call it decline to state. I believe they call it unaffiliated in uh, New York City. So, uh, you know, other voters may have who appeared to be tripped up by New York's Byzantine rules for voting. Um, But it, uh, you know, may or may not be something nefarious. Other voters uh, did run into what the New York Magazine describes as incompetent or deceitful poll workers. Oh, dear. Um, people who had uh, trouble, the, the the poll workers had trouble finding them on the rolls after the voters were sent to a wrong table uh, at the polling place. Uh, in any event, so yes, we will be uh, watching this and uh, figure out, uh, we'll, as usual, try to figure out what may or may not be happening in New York, and we will have results tomorrow as well um, on the broadcast. Noteworthy results from if we know them by then. <laughs> There's wow. uh, there could be a lot of uh, close races. What a nightmare! Yes. Uh, speaking of nightmares, uh, do I have time for this? I don't even want to do this, but I feel like I need to do this. I feel like I don't even want to let this guy sidetrack us but this is an important story and you know it's, it's kind of like what happened in the 2016 election when uh, and many other things when you don't respond to this false information right off the bat it can get out of hand and when it comes to uh, things like conspiracy theories and made up stuff and nonsense no one is better that, uh, at that than our own president Democrats, top Puerto Rico officials, and other island residents denounced bigly 
President Donald Trump on Thursday for denying the large death toll estimate from Hurricane Maria last year and his baseless claim made on Twitter on Thursday that Democrats had inflated the death toll figures for political gain. Now, the official death toll following Hurricane Maria and Hurricane Irma, which struck the island just days earlier and as uh, was recently confirmed by Puerto Rico to be 2,975. That number was confirmed by the governor of Puerto Rico, who is neither, by the way, a Democrat nor a Republican. He's the leader of the pro-statehood uh, New Progressive Party, I think it's called, in Puerto Rico, uh, which, though it's 3.3 uh, million residents are American citizens, they have no voting representation in either the Senate or the House. So I guess they're pretty easy to uh, ignore or smear by a president of the United States like Donald Trump, though not quite as easy to smear for uh, for folks, both Democratic and Republican, who are running for office in places like Florida, where tens of thousands of displaced Puerto Ricans are now eligible to vote in this November's midterms. But the official death toll is based on a meticulous study completed in recent weeks by George Washington University's Millikan Institute of Public Health. They found that at least, at least 2,975 people died in Puerto Rico in the five months after Hurricane Maria. And by the way, that study's numbers are a lowball number compared to other comparable investigations. A separate Harvard study, for instance, released in May of this year, estimated about 4,645 4, more deaths occurred in Puerto Rico from September 20, that was the day the storm hit last year, to December 31 of 2017. So 4,600 4, more deaths than happened during that same period in the previous year. So the nearly 3,000 uh, uh, deaths is already the bottom range of, uh, of, of the deaths that were brought on by the storm, according to multiple experts using a wide range of methodologies. Now, Donald Trump went out there and uh, I don't even have it, the tweet in front of me, the idiotic thing. Oh, here we go. 3,000 people, quote, 3,000 people did not die in the two hurricanes that hit Puerto Rico. This was done by the Democrats in order to make me look as bad as possible. Well, that's pretty easy, Mr. President. Uh, they don't have to work this hard to make you look uh, terrible. Uh, so in quick succession on Thursday, even as this massive Hurricane Florence was beginning its landfall on the southeastern seaboard here on the on the mainland, uh, Trump put out this tweet, members of Congress, governors, candidates for election uh, this November down in Florida and elsewhere ripped Trump for this tweet. This psychotic tweet. It is psychotic. It's psychotic and it's sick. Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut said, uh, called the tweet, uh, the, the tweet beyond ridiculous, an insult to the brave men and women who every day provide medical care and other first responder aid to people in distress situations. Uh, the toll, he says, is factually established. Puerto Rico is still a humanitarian crisis. Uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren said the tweet was a flat out lie. Bob Menendez, senator from New Jersey, said, you're right, Mr. President, the hurricane didn't kill 3,000 people. Your botched response response did. 
Joe Kennedy of Massachusetts uh, responded uh, on Twitter by saying, this is what your math looks like when you count black or brown lives less than white lives. Uh, Ouch. Playing the race card there, which frankly deserves to be played here. There are some 20 U.S. states with smaller populations than Puerto Rico, including Iowa, Utah, Nevada, Arkansas, Kansas, Nebraska, just to name a few. Now, can you imagine if the power was out across much of Iowa or Kansas or Nebraska for a for a full year? And if people died by the thousands because they were forced to drink dirty water or they could not get their dialysis or they died during surgery when the power went out and the respirators went out along with it, would the president of the United States be a death denier about those people? I don't know. Maybe this one, uh, maybe this one would. Who knows? Because he's a twisted sociopath and a pathological liar. And no, I don't call him that because he's a Republican with awful policies. I never referred, for example, to George W. Bush in that way, whose policies were similarly abhorrent and very similar to Donald Trump's. Thankfully, this time, it's not just Democrats who are pushing back at Trump's Hurricane Maria denialism today. Uh, In a statement issued Thursday, George Washington University said that it stands by the science. Well, there's your problem right there. Science was used in this study. Can't have that. They said that we are confident in our numbers that the uh, 2,975 is the most accurate and unbiased estimate of excess mortality to date. And uh, in Florida, uh, where there's a large Puerto Rican population, Republican lawmakers uh, also split with Donald Trump. Marco Rubio, senator, uh, said uh, that um, while both the federal and local governments made mistakes, 3,000 more Americans died in Puerto Rico after the hurricane than during comparable periods. Uh, outgoing Republican Governor Rick Scott, who's running against Democratic Senator Bill Nelson, tweeted, I disagree with POTUS. An independent study said thousands were lost. And, well, I don't have time. I got to get to a break uh, for the Green News report. But people in Puerto Rico saying, you know, I know a doctor who could not connect to a dialysis machine and died. I know a person who was in knee surgery, who was on a respirator and the power went out and he died. He says, uh, no one told me I went to the funerals. So anyway, there's that from this president. Quick break and we're back with the Green News report and more from this goddamn idiot. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com slash donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. To make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all 
or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Well, usually, Desidoyan, it's your Green News report that is uh, brings us the worst news of the day. But it's not today. You got a lot of competition today. We're running late. Let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. It's Thursday, September 13, 2018. Even if you've ridden out storms before, this one is different. Officials warn Hurricane Florence could knock out power for weeks. Hopefully everyone in the Philippines is aware of what is heading their way. Ten million people are also in the path of super typhoon Manghut. Amid all of that, Trump administration moves to make it easier for oil and gas companies to release methane, Plus, climate change is moving faster than we are. United Nations chief warns of dangerous tipping point on climate change. All of those tipping points and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. We are totally prepared. We're as ready as anybody's ever been. Does he even know what a hurricane is? It's tremendously big and tremendously wet. Nailed it. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, 10 million Americans now in the path of Hurricane Florence and another 10 million Filipinos in the path of the even larger super typhoon Manghut. Yes, it's uh, looking pretty dangerous out there. Climate change is going very well. As we go to air, monster Hurricane Florence is still on track to hit the East Coast as a major storm and is forecast to stall, dumping potentially historic rainfall. No matter where Florence ultimately makes landfall, its broad geographic footprint will bring destructive winds, dangerous storm surge, and many days of relentless rain, triggering potentially historic coastal and and inland flooding. Floodwaters will be a toxic soup of chemicals and waste. State officials are warning residents in its path that it could take days or weeks to restore many essential services like electricity, water, sewers, roads, and communications. Well, if it makes you feel any better, only two of the 12 nuclear reactors that are in the path of the storm are the exact same model as those that failed in Fukushima. That does not make me feel better. Sorry. Hurricane Florence is only one of nine active or potential tropical cyclones simultaneously churning around the northern hemisphere, and it's not even the strongest one. In the western Pacific, Category 5 Super Typhoon Manghut is bearing down on the Philippines and Hong Kong. According to veteran meteorologist Guy Walton on a recent broadcast, this simultaneous storm activity in both the Atlantic and the Pacific is very rare and consistent with what we'd expect to see with global warming. With the ocean heat content rising and atmospheric content rising, I do believe that you will get more potential energy for more storms. As you get 
more heat, you will get more storms, and that's exactly what we're seeing. At the White House this week, President Donald Trump asserted that the federal government is ready to respond to Florence, and then he inexplicably boasted about last year's botched response to Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, in which ultimately nearly 3,000 U.S. citizens died. I actually think uh, it was one of the best jobs that's ever been done with respect to what this is all about. I think the Puerto Rico was an incredible, unsung success. Maybe there's a reason people are unsinging it, Mr. President. Also this week, new documents show that earlier this summer, the administration diverted $10 million from FEMA operations to the ICE immigrant detention program. Well, priorities. Meanwhile, in a victory for the oil and gas industry, the administration this week proposed lifting Obama-era restrictions limiting the release of potent climate-warming methane gas from oil and natural gas gas drilling on the public's lands. Health experts warn the rollback will increase hazardous air pollution and allowing drillers to waste far more natural gas through flaring and venting also means they'll get to pay less in royalties to the public. And again, this announcement comes in the same week that Hurricane Florence is barreling towards the East Coast. And on the same day, the Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, issued a dire warning. Climate change is moving faster than we are. If we do not change course by 2020, we risk missing the point where we can avoid runaway climate change with disastrous consequences for people and all the natural systems that sustain us. Guterres also challenged fossil fuel industry propaganda that tackling climate change could harm economic growth. This is hogwash. In fact, the opposite is true. There is nothing to lose from acting. There is everything to gain. Everything to gain unless you're in the coal or oil industry or happen to be one of the many politicians who benefit from all of their campaign cash. For much more on today's stories and the ones we couldn't get to, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. I'm gonna clean up the Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> it's not too late. Says Desi. Never too late. Um, this is an amazing story uh, that broke uh, just a few minutes ago here, learning a little bit more out of Massachusetts. A series of gas explosions tore through several Massachusetts communities on th- Thursday, um, setting now uh, more than 60 homes ablaze. Wow. Across three communities. North of Boston, forcing neighbor uh, neighborhoods to evacuate. So uh, don't know what's happening there. Hopefully we'll figure it out by the next thrilling broadcast, which I hope you will join me for. Until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. 
Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com, particularly if you had trouble voting in New York on Thursday. You can also find me on the Twitters at TheBradBlog. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.